Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 95 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week I've been back at the workshop getting stuck into some more cleaning jobs, had a really interesting meeting with fellow bee farmers and just yesterday suffered the torture of the dentist's chair. So stay tuned for a beekeeping chat followed by a few blood-curdling screams as the drill bit bites home. Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. So welcome back to the podcast. It's been another busy week. Someone recently said to me that beekeeping must be a doddle through the winter because you don't have anything to do. Believe me, it's been anything but quiet. We've been recording a few more videos and I guess does eat into the beekeeping time a fair amount. Not that I'm complaining though, I love producing those videos to share, particularly those for the Patreon page where everyone is so very supportive with their comments. We spent a very busy day at the workshop cleaning the majority of the old boxes and frames. I had a stack of boxes from the late summer and autumn losses that needed to be stripped out and cleaned, so we decided we really ought to get stuck into those before it gets to become a last-minute panic, which it very often does. I'm really good at telling others how to get organised for their beekeeping season, but for myself, I just seem to get caught up in the procrastination game and delays tend to creep in. Totally my own fault and something that I really need to get a grip of. So the clean-up operation went really well in the end. We had around 30 boxes, mostly brood boxes with frames in, uh, a mix of national and commercial boxes, but also some super boxes with frames as well. The frames in some could have been rescued, that's the comb within those frames, but it is really a judgment call and I always fall on the side of caution with deciding whether to cut out the comb or to try and use it again. My previous experiences as a bee inspector has shown me that when you decide to take a shortcut there's every chance that the one time you do that things can go horribly wrong. It's a bit like that important piece of paper that you have on your desk that you tell yourself you really must file. You forget to file it and three months later you're searching the house, turning it upside down, trying to find where you put that piece of paper when actually you should have put it away in the appropriate file when you thought about it. Anyway, getting back to the clean-up operation, the process is quite straightforward really. We'd removed the frames, cut out the old wax comb, which is always a, a bit of a chore, but we use a variety of tools. Usually an old bread knife works quite well. And then those frames get stacked, ready for boiling. We tie them into bundles of 10 or 11, depending on how many frames we have in the box. Uh, and they go into the tank for dipping in washing soda water. I try to scrape off as much of the wax and propolis from the frames as well, so that makes the boiling job so much easier. I then remove all the runners from the boxes, grab a hive tool and go to work scraping all of the wax and propolis from the inside of the box. And finally, we set them to one side ready to scorch with a flame to get the last stubborn bits of debris out and hopefully kill off anything that shouldn't be in there. The wax goes into a half barrel with water in the bottom six to eight inches, I guess, and gets heated up 
and is melted out from all of the debris that then accumulates before being strained and cleaned properly. All of this takes time, of course, and we didn't get everything sorted, although I think the only jobs remaining are the scorching of the boxes and cleaning up of the wax. To be honest, I think there may be a few frames still to boil, but all in all, it was a good day's effort. As usual, I have to thank Pete and Steph for their fantastic help. We tried to shoot a time-lapse video of the entire event, which I've posted to the Patreon page. I'm not sure we got the right angle to show the sheer amount of work that was done, but with practice, I'm sure we'll get this time-lapse thing sorted. On Tuesday and Wednesday, I was in Solihull at a very swanky hotel for a Bee Farmers Association meeting called the Knowledge Exchange Group. It was a chance for members of the Bee Farmers Association who'd signed up to the groups to get together and look at the data that we'd all compiled from last year's season, compare and contrast, and from my perspective, see if I could find any indicators that would shape the way we do things this year. And boy, did I get a heap out of it. It was a thoroughly good day. Quite exhausting, because I think from the first minute we were talking beekeeping, right up until the point that I got back into the truck to drive back home. And that's about a three and a half hour drive, it turned out. The first thing I would say is that I'm not going to share any of the data from the groups that we um, were involved in. I'm just going to talk about my own experience from last year when compared to others. I'm certainly not going to preach any confidentiality or trust from within the group. Maybe one day I'll get a chance to interview somebody about the uh, knowledge exchange groups from the Bee Farmers Association and we'll post that on a podcast as well. So the first thing to say is that I got incredibly lucky. I got the bridal suite for my overnight stay. When I opened the door to the room, I say room, but it was more like my house, only bigger. Steps leading up from the lobby into a huge suite with a four-poster bed, a sofa, coffee table and chairs, footstool, another coffee table, one of those very smart Nespresso coffee machines, and, would you believe, a twinkly starry ceiling. Lots of little, I guess they're LED lights, fitted into the ceiling. And finally, a kind of hydrotherapy infinity bathtub where it appeared you just allowed the water to flow over the rim of the bath and it recirculates it so you're in a constantly filling bath. Add to that the separate bathroom with a walk-in shower big enough for about four people and you start to get a feel for what I'd been given. The bed was actually big enough for about eight people and of course Billy No Mates here was all alone. I should add I was alone for the entire night too. I don't know why they put such a big bed in the room. I can't imagine anyone gets much sleep in there, but that's another story. So, on to the data set that I'd submitted. It proved exactly what I knew, really. Last year was a disappointment on several levels, but a learning experience. So, although disappointing, not terribly negative, not totally negative. Costs appeared to be up, honey production was down, and the high levels of drone-laying queens and chronic bee paralysis virus that we suffered, and that I seem to have suffered more than the rest of the group. One interesting point was that although we'd had a lot of swarming last year, we weren't alone. So all of those beekeepers on social media proclaiming that they hadn't had any swarming and life was good must surely have been in the minority. 
Perhaps they haven't been completely honest, or perhaps they can't spot when a colony has swarmed. Who knows? All I know is I now had some data on paper with which I could really get to grips with and help me plan for the coming season with a bit more of a business head on instead of that dreamy beekeeper's head with colonies popping up everywhere, honey overflowing into ready-prepared buckets, and queens that would let me know well in advance prior to swarming. One of the main factors for our season's disappointments last year was the very early season that we encountered and the high levels of drone-laying queens and chronic bee paralysis virus that we had encountered. That really put me on the back foot from the start, and we were chasing around trying to catch up from that point onwards. And I think this is where the gathering of like-minded beekeepers really helps. We discussed individual approaches to spring growth, inspection regimes, queen rearing and more. We certainly crammed an awful lot into the short time that we were together. To help me remember some of the stuff that I felt was important, I wrote some notes down on my iPad. Firstly, the note that I made was keep records for everything, costs and inputs, time spent doing the various parts of my day-to-day business. I am slightly different to most other bee farmers in that I'm creating a lot of videos and podcasts on the back of the beekeeping, but that's not really too different to someone who's keeping a lot of bees while trying to hold down another full-time job, for instance. So there were similarities. Here's a really big one for me. Clipping queens. Something I've only ever tinkered with in one or two colonies, but something that seems to give a lot of bee farmers the opportunity to have an extra day or two if the weather is bad or something gets in the way of a seven-day inspection routine. I have to say it's something I've not been keen to do and will have to make a decision over the first few inspection days of this new season as to whether I'm going to do it or not. The process, for those of you that aren't aware, involves clipping a small portion of wingtip from one wing of the queen and this means she's unable to fly. A bit like clipping the flight feathers of poultry you might keep in your back garden to stop them flying away, I guess. If the colony swarms, the old queen is unable to fly away with the swarm, and so the swarming bees head back to the hive, and you don't lose that initial swarm. Either the old queen finds her way back into the hive by climbing up the hive stand, or more usually, she'll be found in a puddle of bees on the ground somewhere near the hive. This allows a slight delay in inspections, as I mentioned, but they still need inspecting, otherwise you run the risk of virgin queens emerging and multiple swarms leaving the hive until all you have left is a cupful of bees and an empty hive. Queen rearing was another really interesting topic, as so many people raise queens in some very different ways. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you'll know that last year I grafted very young larvae quite successfully for the number of queens that I wanted and used the Jay-Z Beezy cell cups to graft into. Grafting was quite popular generally, but also a kind of on-the-spot queen-rearing technique that made a lot of sense to me. Imagine you're in your apiary and you have, oh, I don't know, let's think, um, let's make up a number. Let's say you have seven colonies in one apiary. This number allows beekeepers with less to join in but also beekeepers with more can widen their technique to include more colonies in the apiary. Imagine you're inspecting your bees and the general mix is across the board. Some colonies are calm and a pleasure to deal with. A couple of colonies are what you'd term average, but you also find a couple that are not so pleasant and you've noticed these playing up before. So I should say here, I'm just looking at the temper of the colonies, not any other factors. 
All you have to do is to remove the queen from the two bad-tempered colonies and replace them with queens from the better colonies in the apiary. This can be done quite easily. Of course, you need to be able to find your queens. Once the nice queen is out of her colony, the workers will immediately go about replacing her, and in a few days you might not only have a queen cell to replace the previous nice queen, but you might also find yourself with several other queen cells that you can harvest and place into nuke boxes or whatever setup you're running, maybe mini mating nukes. Now I know this system isn't going to be ideal for everybody, but from the perspective of removing feisty queens and settling those colonies down quickly, it seems like a really simple solution that can be implemented at any time you find yourself in the apiary. And of course, you get the benefit of having extra queen cells that you can then harvest to increase the number of queens you've got available. Just remember to wait until there are plenty of drones about and the weather has warmed up a little. The first week in February isn't the time to go poking around in your hives. Finally, it was really interesting to see the honey production values. I was right at the bottom of the pile with a meagre 11 kilos per hive, but that was an exceptional season for me with swarming and losses due to splits failing because of the drone laying queens and CBPV. There were some very good averages, and what I found was it's not a case of my bees are better than your bees, but rather each bee farmer had a story to tell of their season and why they cropped what they did. It does, of course, give me hope that my small outfit can produce significantly more honey than it did last year, and now I'm able to quantify it in a more specific way. I think I could have spent a month around these professional bee farmers and still had questions to ask them. The more I learn, the more I realise I don't know, and that's really exciting to me. Finally, once I returned from my jolly, I had to visit the dentist to have a filling repaired. Now, I like to think I have a pretty good pain threshold. I get stung regularly throughout the season, it comes with the territory, but put me in the dentist's chair and I start to get a little nervous. I think it's when my dentist asks, would you like me to numb you, that the beads of sweat start to form. Now, I'm not squeamish, but I'd rather have the injection than not, and to be honest, it's not even the injection that gets me gripping the hand rests so tightly. It's the fact that she goes to work with the drill almost immediately after the injection. I haven't hit that high a note since I was in the local choir as a young teenager. Anyway, I got through it and I was told off like a naughty schoolboy yet again. Remember to brush your teeth, remember to floss, use a water pick and into dental cleaning sticks, whatever the heck they are. They're all now part of my daily regime again and the bank balance of course has taken an appropriate hit. I guess I'll just have to get my bees producing 40 kilos of honey per hive to pay for it. Well, that's it for this week. If you haven't checked out my Patreon page as yet, please do take a look. Your support would be very welcome. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. Have a great week and we'll catch up again next time. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Beekeeping short and sweet.